I am Chris Klein, Director of Butterfly Ridge Conservation Center in Southeast Ohio, and this is Ridge Notes. And those were the smooth, sultry sounds of some of our local neighborhood pollinators. And that's actually going to be our topic for today on Ridge Notes. My name is Chris Klein. I'm the director of Butterfly Ridge Butterfly Conservation Center in southeast Ohio. And I know that we like to throw that pollinator term around a lot. But I'm afraid not everybody actually understands what it means. So I thought we might use today to help people sort that out. And so uh, in our basic biology class here, um, it's important to understand flowers. uh, They have male parts and they have female parts. And the process of pollination is moving pollen from the male part and moving that pollen to be received by a female part on another flower. Now, something that's very important, flowers are not allowed to self-pollinate, meaning the pollen from the male part of flower A should not be transferred to the female part of flower A. Uh, Just as cousins shouldn't marry, uh, plants shouldn't do the same either. So, how does that pollen get moved? Well, here in the early spring, uh, typically it's the wind that moves the pollen around. Uh, If you'll notice, a lot of the things, a lot of the plants that bloom in the early spring typically are trees. And trees are notorious for being wind-pollinated. Their petals are minimal, if at all, so in other words, they frequently don't have petals. Their flowers are mostly just those male parts, the stamens, and the female parts, the pistils. And so the whole point with being wind-pollinated, especially this time of year, there's no leaves in the way. We typically have very windy days in the spring. Wind catches that pollen, blows it around, and it inevitably lands on the female part of a different flower, and that's how pollination happens. Now, it's not always wind that accomplishes that. Sometimes it's insects, and probably most of you are familiar how bees play a role in pollination, but there are other insects that play that role as well. Um, butterflies, for example, moths, beetles, flies. There's a whole variety of insects that help serve pollination. Uh, There's hummingbirds. For really long tubular flowers, hummingbirds aid in that pollination process. Years ago, I uh, was trained to band hummingbirds in southern Arizona near Patagonia, And it was kind of interesting, as we would catch hummingbirds to band, frequently you could tell what flowers they had been visiting by the color of the pollen that was on their beaks and on their faces. Uh, So yes, so hummingbirds absolutely provide pollination services. And then, believe it or not, every now and then, 
small mammals actually provide pollination services. Uh, the, the example that comes to mind is a native wildflower that we have here in southeast Ohio. Tends to grow in real swampy, monk, mucky type areas, and that is uh, skunk cabbage. Well, skunk cabbage is actually one of the very first things that bloom uh, frequently while there's still snow on the ground. The way the skunk cabbage flower is designed, pretty much as soon as that bloom starts to open, it actually starts to decompose, hence the, the skunk part of the name. Uh, the leaves will do the same once they come on. Well, that decomposition process not only generates a bad smell, it also generates heat. And so you will have small mammals, mice, for example, that will crawl inside of that skunk cabbage flower to get warm. And in the process, they move pollen around on their fur and help to accomplish pollination for the skunk cabbage. So once again, it's a wide variety of uh, techniques and methods that nature uses to get pollen from one place to another. Um, why is this important? Okay, why should we care about pollination? Well, the primary reason, the reason that's gonna be closest to our human hearts is food. If you like to eat, then uh, you should like pollination. Without pollination, uh, pretty much you will uh, be a carnivore only because those grains that you eat that make up your bread and your breakfast cereals and whatnot, those grains are wind pollinated. And without that pollination, you don't have those grains. Uh, if you enjoy tomatoes, uh, bell peppers, jalapeno peppers. Well, you have certain kinds of bees to thank for that. So without the bees, then you're not eating tomatoes and peppers and whatnot. Um, cherries, apples, all of them require pollinators. And if those pollinators go away, if those pollinators go away, you can have a situation sort of like what's happening in certain uh, areas in China. Years ago, for one of the butterfly gardening classes that I teach, I stole an image off of a news media site, a Chinese news media site, which showed people climbing in the fruit trees in China to hand pollinate the flowers on these fruit trees. Why in the world were they having to do that? Well, because they had killed all their pollinators, all right? And they killed them with pesticides. And they actually interviewed one of the gentlemen, and he actually raised honeybees. And uh, he was explaining a little bit about his operation and the fact that he refused to take his honeybees to his mother's house to pollinate her trees because she was a big-time pesticide user, and he was afraid that she was going to kill all of his bees. And so that's, that's the issue right there. If we don't treat the pollinators nicely, then we don't get the foods that we enjoy. I mean, it's pretty much simple as that. Pollinators are also at risk through habitat loss. 
I mean, if we turn enough wild land into concrete, then we'll be doing away with our pollinators that way as well. So maintaining habitat is critical for pollinators. And one thing I would like to point out, lawn is not habitat. All right. When you look at that, and actually, let me rephrase. That same butterfly gardening talk that I would do, I showed another slide, and it had a picture of a nice, lovely green lawn on one side and a picture of a parking lot on the other side. Well, realize to most butterflies and other pollinators, those two pictures looked exactly the same. Okay, if you mow that lawn religiously, there will be no flowers that need pollinated. There is no nectar. Um, if you mow that lawn religiously, there will be no host plants to host uh, bees and moths with. So if you take away their food sources, then you take away the pollinators. I mean, it's pretty much as simple as that. And we actually have some species of bumblebee that are in serious decline, largely for that precise reason. So what can you do? How can you help our pollinators? Well, number one, habitat. Habitat's probably the best option that you have. Um, now, I realize some of you may live in, in urban areas, may have less access to, to a home landscape to convert to habitat. But keep in mind, you know, habitat's kind of what you got. And if what you have is an apartment balcony, if you choose your plants wisely, then you can actually provide some really good nectar just from your apartment balcony. Uh, so once again, it's just a matter of knowing the right things to plant for your particular situation that will meet the needs of those pollinators. If you're a huge petunia fan, well, then you're probably not really helping your local pollinators very much. Um, and over the course of this podcast, uh, we'll have different episodes that will highlight, highlight different uh, recommendations as far as plants to use to help out pollinators. Another idea, and kind of how what we uh, were discussing in that China story, another idea is to eliminate your pesticide use because pesticides inevitably will stray, okay? Um, They'll drift from one area to another and possibly onto something that you would rather they not drift to and that the pollinators would rather they not drift to. Pesticides is to actually eliminate one of the best uh, spring nectar sources, spring pollen sources for pollinators, and those are dandelions. Okay, here in America, for whatever reason, we have declared war on dandelions. When actually this time of year, they're among the best pollen resources, nectar resources that there are. Here lately on Facebook, I've been seeing a lot of talk about how people are trying to, to downplay the importance of uh, dandelions and that instead, we should be planting trees that bloom right now like service berries and cherry and that sort of thing. Well, um, that would always help, but one thing to keep in mind from our experience here at Butterfly Ridge is that cherries and other fruit trees are much more susceptible to early season freezes than what the dandelions are.
So please do not use the weed and feed on your lawn and get rid of one of the more reliable nectar sources that you have. Uh, another option, is, at least in terms of bees, are bee boxes. Realize not all of our bees are honeybees. We have several different species of native bees, and they typically live fairly isolated lives. They don't live in great big colonies. Okay, we're talking creatures like minor bees, sweat bees, different kinds of bees. And uh, a lot of folks are experimenting with bee boxes right now which are basically, they look kind of like birdhouses with an open front and then with um, pieces of bamboo and stick and other items that are hollow that are put into these uh, little houses. And those, um, those native bees actually prefer to nest in those hollow tubes, in those hollow sticks, in those little bee houses. Uh, we've had an Eagle Scout recently put up several of those here at Butterfly Ridge. We had one for years, and it was in fact used. So we're going to be curious how these uh, new ones by our Eagle Scout, how they're going to fare as well. So once again, pollinators are very important. Their role, their job is to move pollen from one plant to another. And how we benefit from that is food. If we do away with pollinators, then we're all going to be going on a crash diet real fast. So we need to take good care of the pollinators. And we'll be learning more about different pollinators and once again different plants that suit pollinator needs as we uh, continue on with our podcast and future episodes. Next time on our next episode, we'll be speaking with Gail Morris, a friend of mine for years. And Gail runs the Southwest Monarch Study, which is out of Arizona. Uh, they study, actually, the favorite pollinator for many folks, the monarch butterfly. They study the migration behavior of monarchs through the desert southwest. And if you've never heard of the Mo Southwest Monarch Study, well, um, shame on you, because they're doing some really cool stuff. And pretty much any time you look at a migration map nowadays, you're going to see uh, the efforts and contributions of the Southwest Monarch Study. You just maybe didn't know they were the ones that were responsible. So in the meantime, until next week, I will ask you once again, take good care of those pollinators. Ridge Notes is sponsored by Butterfly Ridge Butterfly Conservation Center in the Hocking Hills of Southeast Ohio. Open every day but Tuesday, April 15th through October 15th.